Welcome to Insider Marketing. I'm Mark Thomas, Head of Growth here at Powered by Search. And each week, we'll be breaking down a SaaS company's marketing, giving ideas about how we would improve the strategy to get more trials, demos, and revenue using demand gen, SEO, and paid media. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. Today, I am joined by Ali and JC. You want to say hello? Ali, tell us what you do. Hello, I'm Ali. So I'm uh, Director of SEO here at Powered by Search. And uh, I guess my day-to-day role is leading strategy across our accounts, working with our great team of SEO strategists, um, you know, on their individual accounts and kind of running the department. And obviously working with the demand gen team like yourself, Mark. JC, what about you? Hi, I'm JC. I'm a senior paid search strategist at Powered by Search. I've been here for about, I believe, six months doing this for the better part of a decade. Amazing. And for anyone listening, JC is currently in Texas, where it's 99 degrees Fahrenheit, whatever that is in Celsius. So if she disintegrates during the call, because we've asked her to turn her AC off, I'm I'm sorry, both to JC's family and to the listeners. <laughs> All right, let's dive in. And before we dive into this episode, it's important that you get a feel for Plate IQ and who they are as a company. So Plate IQ is an accounts payable invoice and payment automation tool for the hospitality industry. They were founded in 2014 in San Fran and are currently at Series A. Not like the majority of companies we're going to talk about on Insider Marketing, we don't have conversion or revenue data, so we have to make some inferences. In this case, we think they're probably at about 17 to $25 million in revenue. It's probably somewhere in the middle of that range, to be honest. And they've got a marketing team of around six and about 109 people overall at the company. Now, the account payable SaaS industry is crowded and they're competing with some seriously big players to different extents. Stamply, for example, Bills.com also. Spendesk is another. They just raised $199 million. Uh, and Mineral Tree at $120 million also. Big players. So the first thing I want to talk about here is positioning. So what was interesting to me is when I first looked at Plate IQ's website, I didn't actually know that they were vertically marketed. So I had no idea what they actually did. I thought Plate was a weird name, but ultimately it makes sense, right? Because if you dig a little bit deeper in, they're actually a an AP solution for that's accounts payable for anyone just chiming in here, for restaurants, country clubs, hotels, basically the hospitality industry. In fact, it's one of the areas of opportunity that I think is the most significant for them here. And look, they've clearly got to a big size, right? Without without making this clear, but but you kind of wonder in in comparison to some of their competitors, whether maybe maybe their unclear positioning is actually holding them back over the kind of the longer term. They, that was my initial concern, was that like I'm not getting a sense of, that it's hospitality-based at all. Right. And similar kind of first impression for me as well. And I'll obviously probably dig into a bit more detail in the SEO part. But in terms of keyword interest, it, there was definitely a, a lean towards the hospitality industry. But when I saw the website itself, fresh, I was like, okay, cool. So they work with restaurants, but they also work with country clubs, hotels, etc. It wasn't clear to me that it was just about the restaurant kind of component, even of the country clubs and hotels, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, for sure. I think it's really interesting because a lot of people will say, hey, like, what does it matter? We've been making a heap of money right now. But the the reality of that is, A, you could be making more <laughs> if you were clearly for somebody. And the second thing is that this will impact the whole funnel. So bad positioning isn't just, or let's say, not say bad, but weak positioning is not just about, is not just about the actual demand gen. It's also about all the other stuff. So They've got a demo model. So request a demo is the main call to action. When you're a demo-based company, you don't have time to deal with bad fit demos, right? So you've only got a limited uh, resource. I think they've got, they've got about 22 people in the sales team. So they're heavily sales-driven right now. But if they could drastically improve their conversion rate with differentiated positioning and messaging that's aligned to the position of being where the AP solution for the hospitality industry that would have a massive impact on their on all of their things. So that would have a big impact on demo close rate. It would ultimately have a big impact on the the top line demo, so the top of funnel stuff, you know, how many demos they're getting booked in the first place anyway. But it would also have an impact on retention down the line. Just to kind of finish off here, the reason it would have an impact on retention is because if you are getting good fit customers at the top of the journey, they are going to end the journey or, you know, effectively end the, you know, the pirate metric cycle, AAR, with a good feeling about renewing, which is ultimately the end of the cycle, and then referring other people, right? So that's, that's a huge deal. Mark, I've got a question for you, if that's cool. So you were talking about their lean towards the hospitality industry, which makes sense to me when I look at, like, based on what we just talked about. But if you look at their features, right? They've got invoice management, the plate IQ card, bill pay, and then insights, right? So three out of four of those things make sense. But the plate IQ card, to me, the connection with that, like between that and the hospitality industry wasn't immediately clear. I'm wondering if you've got any thoughts on that. Yeah, I definitely do. In fact, this is a really good moment to talk about the second area of opportunity, I think, for for plate IQ in terms of positioning. So it's actually unclear what the value prop is because it's not clear what pain point it's solving. And to take that one step further in the because kind of trail, it's because they don't clearly state who the customer is. Now, let's let's take a look at some of this copy here. So simplify and automate your accounts payable. That is a feature, right? Or effectively, it's a benefit. You can simplify and you can automate. Right. Yeah. Differentiator. No. Right. But definitely a benefit. But you're just thinking like, okay, so why is this the perfect fit for me if I'm in that industry? Right. Right. And we tell people a lot at Powered by Search, our clients, that if you think about how you browse websites, when you land on a landing page, you frequently look at that headline and say, is this for me? Is this relevant? And if it's not, you scroll really quickly. And then you're like at the mercy of somebody's cognition while they're scrolling at like a million miles an hour or you're going to lose that person entirely because you have like potentially milliseconds to grab somebody's decision making capabilities let's think about you know how they would go about saying this is for restaurants well the question i'd be asking is specifically if i've got a restaurant what is my problem with accounts payable that plate IQ could actually solve, right? And then that makes sense. Everything in demand gen, and guys, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but SEO and PPC is also going to come from the answer to that 
that question or the broader question set around that question. Oh, 100%. What problem am I trying to solve? Correct. And, you know, Dev talks about our approach to SEO at Powered by Search being pain point SEO. When I started our SaaS authority architecture, right, which is essentially our everything that we've learned about how a B2B SaaS website should be structured to facilitate, you know, not just SEO and PPC performance, but essentially conversion rate as well at the end of it. But one of the things that we do is we also recommend having a who it's for section as part of the site structure, right? And you've got your main avatars, like is it the check signer, the daily user, the manager, whoever it is. And we have that alongside, you know, use cases, pages as well, right? So it's not just these are the industries for which you could, you know, use these um, these parts of the software, these features, but who's the actual um, or the avatar that we're targeting? Yeah, for sure. It's absolutely right. I mean, their industries page for restaurants, that's already a significant improvement if you're going after the hospitality section. The stuff on there that they've got is, it's clear that they're going after, you know, restaurants. It's clear why some of their features exist but it's still not clear. So on that page, the top feature is eliminate 90% of paper invoices, but it's not clear why for a restaurant, that's a specific problem. Now, even a buyer who's looking at a features page might not be familiar with what the alternative could be like. And so we often tell people paint the alternative. So like flip it around and say, you know, what, what would your life be like if you could do a 90% reduction in paper invoices? You could, and then you would basically use the whatever comes after you could to uh, to be the copy of that feature section, right? That just it works, right? We've done it with we've done it with dozens and dozens of clients now. One thing I want to say here and there, like just totally in praise of Plate IQ, is they have a significantly better website than a lot of people in this industry. I would put this in the top 1% of people in this industry for website. There are, as we're going to talk about with SEO in particular, some like gaps where where this could go like to number one. But I would say they've done a lot of things right here. Specifically what I'm looking at that I'm that I kind of pulled that comment out from is their feature images. So a lot of people with talking about feature images on their page will just like, they'll just put a picture of some people that they've pulled off a stock photos website on there and they're looking at an iPad or whatever and they're like on the golf course and looking at an iPad or they're, you know, fishing on a boat and looking at an iPad. And it doesn't really say anything. What is good about this is that they've they've done uh, what I call mocked up illustrations of features and their UI, so people can go, oh wow, it's great. I'd love to be able to know, I'm looking at earn cash back on your spend, who had swiped the card that earned me that cash back. I would love to be able to, you know, see that, you know, control spend in real time with virtual and physical cards, like where where the location of, you know, Benchmark Pizza was. Like that, that would be great if I was able to see that alongside my card and that kind of stuff. That makes a lot of sense. And so, yeah, whoever designed this website, and I guess the team at Play IQ, they've done, I think they've done a good job in terms of the visuals in particular. So we're going to come to Ali next to talk about SEO. But finally on demand gen, one slight change to the landing pages. So right now they have a thing that says request a demo. It's a big orange button in the header. And if you click request a demo, there's a pop-up. Now, a lot of companies do this, but one of the problems with it is that when you 
have a pop-up. You're really relying on a uh, a website visitor to have all of the right things set up for you to be able to show that pop-up to them. Now, specifically what I'm thinking about here is that if a user has turned off JavaScript in their browser, they're not going to be able to request a demo because a pop-up won't work without it most of the time. Now, what they have got, which a lot of people don't, is they actually have a an inline demo form at the footer of their page. It's exactly the same demo form from what I can see, except that it doesn't require a pop-up. Now, what I would do differently here to immediately impact their conversion rate is I would link that button request a demo to scroll to the to scroll to the demo request form and that will they will see an increase in conversion if they do that let's move on now to talk about some seo ali what have you got for us so in terms of traffic we can see that there's you know they're kind of at that around roughly 8k a month mark in terms of traffic from organic search in in the us which is their main market canada they're a little bit further behind but it has been growing fairly steadily over the, the last year and a half. One of the interesting things that I saw was that there was a bit of a bump in terms of the trajectory of their traffic improvement on the back of December 2020. And a couple of things seem to have happened there. They started acquiring a lot more backlinks around that time. So we certainly seen that in, in the graphs. I always take that with a little bit of a, a pinch of salt because sometimes it can be a little bit impacted by some of the tools that we use and just their ability to capture those links. But there certainly has been an increase. So I think that's definitely helped them. But also in December 2020, there are um, a couple of algorithm updates. So there was a Google Core Algo update, which essentially rewarded websites that have been doing a good job in terms of user experience and content and, you know, generally just doing a good job of SEO according to Google search quality guidelines. So you were making a point earlier, right? There's a lot that's really good about the website and what they're doing. And I think that's certainly true from an SEO perspective as well. And that little bump that they got from December, I think goes to prove that point. You're saying that like the algorithm did a lot there because the website is well-structured or? I think so, yeah. I think um, you know it was meant to reward websites that are essentially doing the right thing for SEO, whether that's website structure, whether it's, the quality of the content that the website is providing, how it's serving user intent. And of course, also in terms of its backlink profile and you know what the rest of the internet's saying about the website, basically. So I think it's probably worth talking a little bit about how at Powered by Search, we maybe approach SEO slightly differently to how you know even other agencies that I've worked at before would, would approach it. So just jump in there. Give us a kind of like, big headline of how SEO is done at Powered by Search, how we approach it differently? Yeah, so the one or two lines that probably define it best. One, we call it pain point SEO. So we're not necessarily going big in going volume first. We're really trying to understand the pain points of your target customers and trying to solve those pain points with content. And if we do a good enough job of that, we know we're going to attract the right fit traffic over time. You know, and and so I think that's almost like flipping the funnel, right? Like we're not necessarily starting off with going off and doing keyword research and coming back, you know, all excited with, oh, this term's got like a thousand searches a month. But if that's, you know, 
very low intent. It's not really necessarily going to impact the client's bottom line straight away. And usually that's why people come to us is we can have a direct impact on their MRR. Like when I joined Powered by Search, I was I was loving that um, if you look at our search performance, given that we're called Powered by Search, you might think, oh, those guys can't be that good, right? Because we actually don't rank for very many high high volume keywords. Now, that's entirely intentional. Like we don't invest in going after those terms at all because what converts for us is stuff that's really bottom of the funnel, you know? Our blog converts crazily well for us and and it works also for clients. Exactly right. To be very honest with you, like I've been doing this for, for 12 years now and it was an adjustment for me as well. So I can imagine for like people first coming in, in, into contact with our methodology, you know, potential clients, et cetera, it's a bit of an adjustment, right? So the most important or valuable search terms don't even turn up on third-party keyword research reports, you know, because it's so specific for us. The way that we approach it is, again, if we've done a good enough job of understanding what your key customer, you know, personas, like what their key pain points are, and then if we've done a good enough job of essentially being the best page on the internet that addresses that pain point, and helps educate them, helps solve a problem for them. The keywords are almost like the downstream effect of it, right? <laughs> it's it's if we're you know, addressing the intent, the keywords will come. So, what's the opportunity here on that basis for Play IQ? The way that we look at different types of content on the website, we we talk about what we call the buyer awareness matrix, and it's essentially if you think about it as a quadrant, right? So. The top right is what we'll call product aware. And, and that would be like the highest intent type of content where this, this is literally people are aware of your brand and they're now just looking for you to help convince them to, to go with you. Plate IQ is doing a good, good job in terms of their use cases, right? So we talked about the different industries that they serve. They've got some good use cases. They've got a couple of kind of comparison pages, but I think there's definitely a lot of opportunity there because there is search volume around some of their competitors, right? And if you were to create comparison pages versus those competitors, you're able to capture traffic from people who are literally just comparing and looking to make a decision now. So that's where we would start, right? And one of the other things is, again, there's room for expansion in terms of their case studies. There are some, but they could always be a little bit more. I think the the last thing in that category I would put is something like an ROI calculator. So if you're able to kind of create a tool that, and you know, we talked about personas before, you may have the decision maker doing the research, but you may have somebody who wants to convince the decision maker and you want to be able to give them as much content as possible, like to, to help make that decision. So yeah, we just did a calculator for uh, one of our other clients that is amazing, shows the kind of the ROI there and the impact that's going to have is is going to be huge for them. And in fact, we've done this for a lot of clients. It does generate leads, right? So that seems like a really strong recommendation. Nice one, Ali. What else you got? One of the other things that works really well, if you kind of look at the step before that, when people are aware of their problem, but you know they're not necessarily clear and which vendor they should go with or what solution they should go with. This is where kind of buying guides do really well, right? And certainly like 
when I've looked into what's ranking well for maybe middle of the funnel terms in their space, it's the kind of roundup buying guides. And I think with like the B2B SaaS space is, of course, you're always going to have, you know, the likes of Captera, right? And G2, et cetera, who are going to do well in terms of these comparison posts. But one of the things that I personally found pleasantly surprising was that even as a brand, if you do a good enough job of presenting content that isn't just like a thinly veiled attempt to, you know, promote your own brand, but to give users a really comprehensive overview of what you guys do best, you know, it goes back to your positioning and what your competitors do best and help them make an informed decision. If you do a good enough job of that, you do get rewarded in, you know, in terms of organic visibility. So I think for them, things like a virtual credit card buying guide, for example, would be like a really cool resource to put on there because that's doing really well for their competitors. Yeah, and to your earlier point there, uh, you asked about the virtual cards and how they're positioned within the client's pain point spectrum, you know, the, the, the broad spectrum of their pains. Like it would have to be clear and related to that, you know, that that was as long as they can drill down on that, you know, because they're they're definitely in a place where they should be thinking about, okay, now that we've got all the features, how do we align those? Yeah, 100%. Do you want to talk a little bit about the comparison pages that they're already that they already have and what you would do to kind of build out on that? Firstly, I would expand like kind of the the comparison pages in terms of the the content depth a little bit. So that would be my 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 first thing. It helps to have a good mix of you know easy to kind of compare tables, but you can then dig down a little bit deeper into individual features. And what we like to do is essentially make that almost like linkable from within the, the large page. So if you break the, a large page that has a comparison page that compares like five or six different features, you may have a table that summarizes everything, but then you might want to, you know, expand on each section, depending on how much content you've got there. All of it is obviously adding things like keyword richness, you know, more context. Essentially, you're also increasing the chances that you might even have some rich snippets coming out from, from your content if you do the schema markup properly. So that's one thing for the pages that they already have. But then the other thing is, even if you don't have a lot of search volume in terms of people compa- comparing you to other competitors, you can piggyback off the search interests in other two competitors being compared. So like you might have like bill.com versus QuickBooks, for example, even though QuickBooks integrates with Plate IQ, but some people might can still consider it a competitor. So it's bill.com versus QuickBooks has a lot of search volume. You could just add versus Plate IQ to that and then create a page around that. So you're comparing against the list of competitors. That tends to work really well. A, you get the search volume of the competitors, but also if somebody is comparing multiple competitors, again, there's a chance that their intent is much higher. So you get better fit traffic as well. Ali, we're going to move on to to JC's recommendations here, but is there anything else you want to say before we do? I would just very quickly say from a technical SEO perspective, again, the website's good. It's got a really good technical health score. But one thing I would look at is your core web vital score, because it's really important in terms of 
Google's latest algorithm changes. So there are some page speed improvements that can be done on their key pages. So even the home page and key features pages have a low score. So going back to what you were saying about, you know, JavaScript being included in, in forums loading, I would look at, you know, JavaScript and CSS and see if you can minimize files whatever way you can to improve that page speed. And the other thing from the backlink profile perspective, we haven't talked a lot about that, but yes, they've gained a lot of links steadily, especially since December 2020, but pretty much all the anchor text at the moment is branded, right? Over time, if I were working with them, I would really look to work. If we were doing a digital PR program, see if we could work with our partners to get some more exact match anchor text for non-branded keywords to help boost uh, visibility. Nice. All right. There is, there's a lot of meaty stuff here. Uh, thanks, Ali. Uh, JC, let's talk about uh, paid media. What are you, what are you seeing? Yeah, this will absolutely align with what, what Ali said is that, you know, what we do is, you know, we start with, you know, attraction to engagement to conversion, right? That tends to be where our gap is here is from attraction to engagement. Because like we talked about before, it's not created for the actual end user, right? Like, for example, their display ads merely say, you know, automate your restaurant accounting with Plate IQ. Okay, but you do so many other things. So what that tells me is they probably need to hone in on audiences and get a little bit better at positioning because that's really a, a very generic way to use display advertising when especially they do so many other things. That's one issue that just kind of sends up a red flag there. The non-branded so when I did a keyword analysis, mostly what came up is plate IQ. So my recommendation that, you know, to whoever's managing that account would be to absolutely make sure that you're not, you know, drawing in keywords like login or anything like that, because you are getting a, a massive amount of, of volume from nearly branded. And I think that, you know, that also speaks to what Ali said about, you know, including those non-branded terms, you know, what's your, what's your USP? What's happening currently is because they're bidding on branded keywords, so plate IQ for their paid ads. If they're not careful, or is this happening already, they're pulling in things like plate IQ login and, and displaying ads on there. They actually, they're falling into it already. That's a good way to cut spend? That's, that'd be a great way to cut spend, yes, because the, the average time spent on site, even from paid, is just a little too high for uh, for someone who's not trying to log in. I don't think the average person is going to spend five minutes on site. If they're not logging in, if they're, they're logging in, they're a current customer, that makes sense, right? The recommendation there is to exclude terms like login from the keyword targeting on on the on each paid platform. Yes, I, I would be extra careful about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's up next? What's up next is um along the same lines, just going from, you know, engagement to conversion, as Ali spoke to before, you know, offering something. Uh, we're in a really, really saturated market. We are kind of at the point, especially in this market, where people are like, okay, so what do you provide? What do you actually do for me? And so providing those kind of like white papers or, you know, and any like industry information that after you, you know, you get their, their lead info that you can send to them or, you know, become, you know, a thought leader to them will be massively important because there's so many other competitors like Bill or Jeannie and the rest of them who just immediately say free trial, right? So you're thinking like, okay, rather than just bidding for conversion at the bottom of the funnel, you want to bid for converting people further up the funnel. And how often do you reckon people neglect that in, in their paid media? 
We know all the time. <laughs> That's incredibly common. Um, people are normally pretty reactive. And so what you do is, you know, you go in analytics and take a look at the conversion path. How long are people actually taking to make that decision? You know, sometimes it's 30 days. So you're not going to see that return immediately. You know, you know, if you sign up with a company, your, your first month's report might not look great. But that doesn't mean you're not making progress. That means you're bringing probably in a ton of top of funnel. You have the right company, right? And this is because of attribution windows, right? The, the Why you might not see it. So if you have a long conversion path, which is for a, a product like this, I would expect it to be definitely longer than a month because A, it's sales driven, which means that like, let's say even I sign up today for a demo, the likelihood even with 22 reps, like they big revenue, like seven, what do we say? 17 million-ish. They probably got quite a lot of leads coming in which means that there is a need to wait, presumably a lot of the time to see the demo, which means that ultimately your conversion path might be way more than 30 days, right? So. Oh my gosh, yes. I imagine their December reports are just abysmal. <laughs> and so there's going to be a bunch of holiday weekends, I'm sure that, because that's not really what you're focused on, right? You're trying to improve. I mean, if you're the decision maker here, you're trying to improve your business. And that's a large decision. I mean, I would love to, I would love to pry and ask them how long, um, what December looks like compared to say, you know, March or April. But yes, anything like that, it's going to be a long conversion path. You need to be using position-based attribution or, you know, data-driven if you have that volume or else you're just losing so much, which might be the cause of why I'm seeing so much branded, they could be using last click attribution, which is why I'm only seeing just a mass amount of volume for branded. You know, they might've been looking for more top of funnel keywords, but because they're only tracking the last click, we're seeing only branded. We actually have a client in the restaurant POS space. Now they're in Canada. Their ideal customer is chain restaurants in Canada with 10 or more stores, right? Now, there are actually only 50 restaurant chains in Canada that meet that criteria, but they invest in PPC. Although they're in the US, there is eventually a point where they hit like, hey, we need to expand. We need to get people in different in different places, right? So three quick tactics that we use here. We have a blog post about it. It's really in-depth and really like interesting if you're in <laughs> if you're at all in hospitality and you want to do stuff with paid media. We moved up the funnel with Google Ads, which is what you just recommended effectively. So um, bidding for terms higher in the funnel. We dedicated paid search budget to Microsoft Bing, which a lot of people freak out about if you recommend Bing ads to them. But in reality, people in B2B use Bing because it's often the thing that's installed on their computers by IT departments. And there's so much less competition. Is that right? Absolutely. It's about, um, you're, you're going to see about a 30 to 70% drop in CPC uh, compared to Google. And just, you know, think about it, right? People are probably not downloading Chrome. They're using what comes standard on their desktop in addition to their phone. Yeah, sure. And I, st I still try never to open Chrome personally. But <laughs> And then the other thing that they did was we actually did for them was expanding their reach with geo expansion. So we took the targeting and tested it out and tested their ads out in different territories. Is that something you think that uh, maybe Play IQ would benefit from also? Yeah, as long as they have the volume. So it looks like they're right around the point. Like you're gonna you're gonna want more than like two thousand clicks a month to get to that volume where you can like where you can space out the geos. 
because you know smart bidding for the most part will do that for you but if you go into you know your account and you're seeing vast differences between you know the cpc conversion rate or cpa between geos and then also look across devices you're seeing some pretty big disparities then you are going to want to break those out but i would just make sure that you have a significant volume right you want to make sure it's statistically significant before you just go you know breaking out campaigns and then you know changing the algorithm just, you know, for the fun of it. Amazing. All right. Well, look, we're almost out of time here. JC, is there anything else you want to say? I, I really want to drive on the point about positioning, just, you know, how saturated this market is. I think it's really important for them to just convey a little bit more about what it offers to their, you know, the end user that differentiates them. Because that's going to be massively important. Yeah, it's it's interesting how much that goes across everything we do. So, and as the person who runs uh, the positioning workshops at Powered by Search, that's music to my ears. Also, that you would recommend that. <laughs> yes, 100%. I cannot say that enough. All right, nice. Okay, look, we are gonna wrap up here, but before we do, I just want to take. I'm gonna say let's three minutes max, and we're just gonna reel off some quick fire ideas. Ali, you want to go first with SEO? So this is something that maybe a lot of people starting an SEO program don't necessarily think about. But one of the things that you could do to immediately boost the impact of your key pages is to get rid of pages that you don't drive a lot of impact from. So rather than increasing content, we actually start off by decreasing content. So I'd analyze what pages in your site haven't driven any traffic for like, say, the last year or and unless they're critically important from a business perspective for some other reason, get rid of them. I would say create content based on sales battle cards. So speak to your sales team. You know, they've got like 20 odd people doing that at the moment. Speak to them about what are the key pain points that you keep hearing, the key complaints about competitors that you keep hearing about over and over again. I think that would be like the first place that you should start in terms of your content strategy. All right. There's so much stuff here that we can cover, but we only have a limited time. So I'm going to dive in here. So demand gen. I would add a pricing page. Even demo-based companies should have a pricing page. You don't have to talk very publicly about what the price is on that page, but you have to give some sort of indicator to people because ultimately this is going to improve your demo conversion rate. If someone books a demo with you and you've given them a ballpark figure, you just want to be able to do that because then they'll be able to know, is this right for me? And they'll qualify in or out based on that. If they're wrong for you based on that, they are always going to be wrong for you. You telling them the price on a demo is only going to prolong the process. Then I would also add links to the parent pay page that they've got. So they have a function that allows you to pay bills, right? So obviously accounts payable with connected providers. Now they rank for a couple of these things on a forward slash pay forward slash and then the company name. So like FedEx, for example, what I would do is I would create and I would build out those pages for more companies because people are searching for that. How do I pay my FedEx bill and stuff like that? Now, try to build internal links across your site with that. And that's what I think I would recommend. So those two things. JC, got anything? Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with audiences and a stronger call to action. From what I see, it looks like the, you know, the display ads are very generic. They do so much more than they're conveying in display advertising. And that could be a result of your audiences. So go in there, take a look at, you know, who you're actually targeting for those display audiences. Is it people logging in? Because then you're definitely wasting a ton of money. Yeah, isn't that just a strong call to action? You know, 
in, in all the ad copy, because right now it's, it's, it's a little generic and we want to get them both in the door and engaged. All right, guys, this has been really helpful. The great thing about these is that this is useful both for the company, <laughs> hopefully that is being reviewed and also people listening. Anyone who's listening to this can also make use of a lot of these recommendations because many of the things that we've talked about are actually SaaS wide. They're not just industry wide. They're not just specific industry focused. A lot of people will benefit from these tactics and strategies. Thanks for your time today. Well, it's bye from me, Ali, JC, want to say bye? Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. All right, let's do it again. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today. But friend, it doesn't have to end here. Because if you want to do something about your SaaS marketing, you should go to our website. We have heaps of in-depth blog posts, podcasts, and other resources about how to grow your demos, free trials, and signups with Demand Gen SEO or PPC. Now, if you want us to help you with that, you can book a SaaS scale session by clicking on the work with us button in the nav bar. Or you can follow me on Twitter at I am Mark Thomas, that's Mark with a C, or follow our founder, Dev Basu, that's D-E-V-B-A-S-U. I'll see you next time for another episode of Insider Marketing.